Blog Talk Radio.
When Roberta Flack's debut album, First Take, appeared in 1969, a war-weary public embraced the mellow sound. Flack's warm, velvety voice, weaving intimate ballads, including rock swing folk songs and repertoire of former challenged and conventions of popular black music at the time, opening the door for musical innovations of succeeding black artists like Stevie Wonder, Maurice White, and Marvin Gaye. A canny judge of musical material, Flack enjoyed stirring the number one, steering the number one hit singles during the early 1970s and became known in the industry not only for her outstanding artistry, but for her exact, existing professionalism and dedication. No stranger to taking several months in studios to complete an album, Flack once insisted that her record company recall 500,000 copies of her single, Killing Me Softly with his song, that's so she could uh, provide a better ending. Becoming increasingly involved in all aspects of the music business, the singer has, has selected, arranged, conducted, and edited her own recording material since the mid-1970s, emerging in public, public music publication and producing as well. Always appreciative of talented new songwriters and singers, she has helped launch the careers of vocalists like Donny Hathaway and Peebo Bryson by performing and recording with them. Flack explained her artist independence and the best of music, music makers, and I quote, I am going to be who and what I am and not what agents, promoters, record companies, producers, or public would have me be. When my songs come out, I have to be able to listen to them without having to duck underneath the car seat, end of quote. Well, she doesn't have to duck under any car seats for this next song. Mr. Producer, let's listen. 22, Roberta Flack.
Yeah. 
in the early 1960s. Music teacher in junior, three junior high schools in Washington, D.C., 1961 and 1967. Played piano and singing part-time in local clubs mid-1960s. Full-time performer 1967. Recording artist in 1969. Performances include concert tours, jazz festivals, television specials, and movie picture soundtracks. Play Misty for Me and Bustin' Loose, If Ever I See Her Face Again, Making Love, has, she has scored more motion picture and television performed and a concert pianist. She conducted opera, engaged in music publishing, and recorded producing, prepared a textbook for educators on understanding the ghetto language. The next song is one of our producer's favorite Roberta Flack renderings of the song written and singer and the songwriter by Paul Simon. We all know this song. Thank you. 
the first Sounds. time I heard her sing that song. And I That's can, beautiful. I can picture this. I can picture her. I, I think that, that was probably her playing a piano, but I can picture yeah. her playing a piano in a church with just the yeah. choir behind her. It's That's celestial. It through. really is. Yeah. Oh, that was beautiful. That was tear-jerking. I'm sorry, yeah. guys. <laughs> I have never heard this beautiful rendition. Yeah, beautiful. Paul Simon yeah. wrote the song, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, Simon yeah. and Garfunkel, yeah. Well, Roberta Flack was named Female Vocalist, Vocalist of the Year by Downbeat Magazine in 1971 and 1973. Washington, D.C. celebrated Roberta Flack Human Kindness Day, April 22nd, 1972. Grammy Awards for Record of the Year, 1972 for The First Time Ever I Saw Your Face, and 1973 for Killing Me Softly with His Song. Grammy Awards for the Best Pop Vocal Performance by a Duo with Donny Hathaway in 1972 for Where Is the Love? and for Best Pop Vocal Performance by a Female Solo Artist in 1973, Killing Me Softly. For the next six years, Flack taught music at three different junior high schools in Washington, D.C. in her spare time. She directed church choirs, instructed voice students, and provided piano partner for singers at local clubs. Eventually, it was she who was doing the singing. Before long, she was a favorite pop vocalist at the fashionable clubs in the capital. Her fans, including such entertainers as Burt Bacharach, Woody Allen, and Bill Cosby. Jazz pianist Les McCann brought Flack to the attention of Atlantic Records, and the singer signed a recording contract in 1969. While First Take sold respectively, it was Flack's appearance on comedian Bill Cosby's 1970s television special that brought her a national celebrity. Captivating her audience, the vocalist sold more than one million copies of her next LP, Chapter 2, and in the subsequent album, Quiet Fire, in 1971. Downbeat Magazine named Flack Female Vocalist of the Year Ending nearly a two-decade of reign uh, of the ending the, the two-decade reign of the great Ella Fitzgerald. Mr. Producer, can we hear some of that "Killing Me Softly" with his song? Oh, I love this one. Drumming my pain with his fingers, singing my life with his words, killing me softly.
1971 Flack and vocalist Hathaway cut the hit single, You've Got a Friend. Their joint gold album, Roberta Flack and Downey Hathaway, appeared a year later. The duo won a Grammy Award for the rendition of Where is the Love? Stereo critic, uh, critic Phil Garland deemed the collaborators perfectly matched, sharing the same sweet-flowing honey, honey texture. The two singers continued to perform together until Hathaway's apparent suicide in 1979. Flack earned a second Grammy in 1972 for the first time ever, I Saw Your Face, a song originally appearing on her first album and given a new life on the soundtrack of Clint Eastwood's motion picture, Play Misty for Me. Reissued as a single, the song soared to number one on the charts, and Flack's debut LP, belatedly, went gold. It was even reported that U.S. astronauts took a copy of the dreamy ballad on their first moon mission to calm their nerves. The next year brought Flack to similar success with two additional Grammys uh, for another number one hit, Killing Me Softly with his song, her luck with smart, stylish singles continuing, feeling, feel like making love, top the charts in 1974. I love that one. And now let's listen again. Strolling in the park, watching winter turn to spring. Walking in the dark, seeing lovers do their thing. Ooh, that's the time 
is beautiful. She had so many great songs. Yeah, she did. Okay, by the time the mid-1970s, Flack began to take over the creative aspects of a recording career and pray to her perfectionism, her records became less frequent. Other aspect interests included and claimed her attention, scoring for motion pictures and television, music publishing and recording producing, doc- doctoral work in education and linguistics. During the early 1980s, the vocalist teamed up with singer-songwriter Bryson for several successful duets and and recordings. Their 1983 album, Born to Love, introduced the hit, Tonight I Celebrate My Love. Gollin observed that Bryson is more in tune with Flack's current style, which is closer to middle-of-the-road pop, modified by smooth textures and rhythms of the 60s soul music. The critic added that Flack's current mode sacrifices some of her later previous depth for the border mass appeal, but she still is a serious artist operating on a high level, and she still has the same honey-ripened voice and variety of style. Reviewing the singer's 1988 album, Oasis, Gollin noted further changes, a lot of production reflecting Flack's decision to speak to a new generation in its own language. While finding the vocalist's gift for creating a sense of intimacy somewhat compromised here, Gollin nonetheless included Flack's ability to communicate directly with the listener remains intact. In spite of the uh, Gertier tappings, she is still a class act. Uh, we hope you enjoyed some of the music we selected today uh, uh, from the beautiful songs with Roberta Flack. Uh, and I have a quick, just a quick short note uh, uh, in case anybody wants to hear this. Uh, uh, one of the tours that we mentioned earlier, uh, one of the summer tours, uh, we talked about uh, Roberta Flack's group charted an Eastern Airlines aircraft uh, for the entire tour that year. I believe it was a, a Lockheed Electra. Uh, they had the entire cabin converted to all first-class seats and a bar and a lounge in the rear. Uh, I think that was in the original Electra anyway. But I'm sure the entire cruise, and, and there was a lot of crews that flew these trips, enjoy themselves. And my friend Don Feek was the Eastern rep on that on those flights, and uh, uh, he also enjoyed these tours. But uh, she is no stranger to Eastern Airlines. Uh, Neil, what have you found from the Eastern Files for us? Well, great sidebar, Don. Uh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Uh, uh, I know we had great celebrities on Eastern flights, and uh, some would not fly anyone except Eastern. And uh, that's a good uh, note that you uh, put into the show today. Uh, long before the beautiful songs by Roberta Flack, and I'm talking about 85 years ago, that's a long, long time before Roberta Flack. And when Eastern was Eastern Air Transport, great writers for its newsletter, 
news wings, or recording Eastern history like the one I'm going to read from the March 1934 newsletter. It's by Robert Norris and titled Extra Curricula. I hope you enjoy the reading. Extra Curricula by Robert Norris. The pilot of an airliner occupies a position that is comparable to that of a ship's captain. His bridge is the control compartment of the airship, up in the nose of the great winged craft of which he is charge. From the compartment, from this compartment, the pilot directs everything pertaining to a flight. He is allowed, allowed wide latitude in making decisions and is in charge of the crew, which consists of a co-pilot and hostess. The opportunities for an air skipper to use his judgment have been numerous, for a number of unusual emergencies have arisen in the past. Although air travel is the most youthful member of the transportation family, there are definite traditions of the air just uh, as there are of the sea. To make your run on time, to keep your passengers comfortable, and to preserve life and property when emergencies arise. In the early days of the airmail services, before radio facilities were developed for aircraft, several occasions arose where pilots used their night mail planes as flying fire alarms. Eugene Brown, an eastern air transport pilot, sighted a blaze in the little town of Fountain Inn, South Carolina. By diving and circling over the burning building with his motor wide open, he succeeded in arousing its sleeping occupants and a number of neighbors who helped extinguish the fire. Richard Merrill, another night pilot on the southern run, got himself into a peculiar position for a short time because of the tradition of the air. He discovered a fire in the city of Richmond, Virginia, and roared down over it. His swift-moving plane not only awoke the occupants of the burning building, but of nearly in the entire city. The police department was swamped with calls of protest and sent a squad of officers to the airport to arrest the offending pilot. But the next morning, the newspapers carried the story of Merrill's service to the city, and the airport was in turn swamped with calls of praise. There was a public banquet attended by several thousand persons, a hero's scroll, and many speeches extolling the virtues of the airmen who nearly went to a cell for a night. While flying down the East Coast on the run to Miami, pilots are in a position to notice anything unusual that is taking place beneath them. Frederick Chomiel, while piloting a plane along this route, spotted a small yacht, turned broadside to the waves and rolling dangerously offshore out of sight of the Coast Guard station. He flew over, he flew out over it, and several persons on board waved frantically to him. Schwamil swung his plane around, roared at full speed back to a Coast Guard station, banked vertically around it, and then sped back to the spot where the boat was in trouble. The guardsmen caught the hint 
They launched a lifeboat and struggled through the surf. Schwamiel hovered overhead, hovered overhead long enough to see the rescue take, uh, take place and then pass quickly out of sight. A passenger plane was caught aloft by a cyclone that had done serious damage in Alabama and Georgia. And the manner in which the pilot handled his emergency was an excellent demonstration of airmanship. The storm struck suddenly, having veered without warning from the direction it had previously pursued. Terrific winds began tossing the airplane about. Pilots and passengers looking down could see roofs flying off buildings. The buildings themselves collapsed and trees uprooted and rolling away. The pilot was a bare 20 miles away from the Atlanta airport when the storm struck, yet in the face of the great wind, it took nearly an hour to reach it. While still in the air, battling his way towards the airport, the pilot made all arrangements for the landing. He ordered a crew of 30 men to line up on the runway at a certain point. He directed that a tractor be brought out and another crew stand by the hangar doors. All this was done by radio. When he arrived over the airport, he flew the plane in the face of a wind ranging up to 85 miles per hour. He cut his own speed to match that of the wind and settled almost vertically down on the ground. The ground crew jumped on the wings and tail of the craft. The tractor was immediately attached to the landing gear, and the plane was brought to a position in front of the hangar. Here the passengers were taken out and escorted to the waiting room, while the crew at the hangar opened the doors and assisted in getting the plane inside. Experience, the world's greatest teacher, has taught commercial pilots innumerable valuable tricks. Their regular training combined with the added schooling that can only be acquired by actual practice has established within these pilots a resourcefulness that is able to cope with almost any situation. Today, the pilot simply has to transmit the information and rescue emergency. The emergency is on the way. Um, you know it would be great to have flown aircraft back in those days like uh, Dick Merrill and Gene Brown, two most senior Eastern pilots, and uh, Fred Sh uh, Schwamiel, uh flying the mail. But I wouldn't trade my time with Eastern Airlines with those days, but uh, those were the days. And uh, I got a little bit of uh, that when I first came with Eastern, where you didn't have to stay in touch with the uh, ATC or traffic control, uh, only the control tower at the airport, if there was a control tower there. Otherwise, you were yeah, on your right. own. Uh, keeping your own separation from other traffic in the air. So there were some great days in aviation, and I'm sure there still, there still are some, but uh, the aircraft has gotten so technical today that uh, it's, uh, I guess it's uh, buttons that uh, 
do most of the experience. I don't know. But anyhow, that's my that's my story for today. Back to you, Don. Hey, you know, uh, uh, again, <laughs> I think that if you have time, uh, Monday night you should play that tape. I think it's very interesting. It was very interesting. And you're going to talk about time and stuff, uh, you know, something yeah, to think about. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what, uh, what what we can do, yeah. Yeah, it's a good tape. Good. Dorothy, what do you have coming up for Monday night broadcast? Okay, well, by Monday night we have a history of time as it relates to navigation, so thank you for bringing that up. Uh, that's going to be a very good and interesting show, so I encourage everyone to join us following by a Halloween evening's mystery of the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> and then we have coming up also on our schedule is going to be 15 behind-the-scenes secrets of airline pilots. But, of course, we can't forget that coming up in our music and history segment is going to be Willie Nelson for the next one followed by Nat King Cole. So we're keeping everyone amused with all of our programs, and we hope that you folks are joining uh, in um, listening to us. And please, if you enjoy what we're doing, please let us know by sending us an email at host at com, or join us on our regular Monday night broadcast. Uh, we would love to have you folks call in at 213-816-1611 and join our discussion. It's always great hearing the Eastern members talk to us and let us know their memories and how they like what we're doing. Back to you, Neil. Um, I'll, okay, I'll take it, Dorothy. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I'm sorry, Don. <laughs> Well, that's our show for this week, folks, and we hope that you are enjoying the artists that we've been playing in the greatest recording artist during the Eastern series. We really, we certainly want, uh, we've enjoyed spinning these uh, songs on the Eastern turntable. Make sure you uh, join us next Thursday when we select another great singer with his or her songs along with a little Eastern sprinkled in and that was going to be Willie Nelson. And don't forget our microphones are always open for callers to join us on Monday, October 21st, when history of time becomes a topic. It's all about the pilot navigating by the clock. Uh, this ought to be a very, very interesting show. I think it will be. You know, keeping in touch with our Eastern family is uh, important and great importance to this radio show. And we look forward every week starting the memories and the stories of our great airline with the world. And do you have a story or memory you'd like to share with our Eastern family? If so, we certainly want to hear from you. The Eastern Radio Show would like to broadcast it during one of our shows. Either you sharing your memory live during a broadcast or send it to us and we'll broadcast your story on the air. You can send your request to host at EALRadioShow.com. That's host at EALRadioShow.com. And we'll tell you what you need to do to have your show heard. 
Until then, this is Don Gagnon, and on behalf of our producer, Captain Neil Holland, and my lovely wife, Dorothy, we sign off by playing this beautiful song by Merrill Haggard. So long, Eastern Time. Mm-hmm. Silver wings shining in the sunlight, roaring engines headed somewhere in flight. They're taking you away and leaving me lonely. Fading out of sight Don't leave me I cry Don't take that airplane ride But you locked me out of your mind And left me standing here behind Silver Somewhere in flight They're taking you away Leaving me lonely Silver wings Slowly fading out of sight See you Monday night. Okay. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.